0: Hello, and welcome back to Gas Off COVID Pod. In today's episode, we will hear from Daniel Schubert, an emergency medicine registrar based in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. He will be sharing his experiences and lessons learned with COVID in Brazil. Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel. I'm currently an emergency medicine registrar from Rio, Brazil, but turned like some sort of critical care fellow, with this last few months that we've been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So, before I get started, I'd like to thank you all for having me here. When we talk about Brazil and Latin America in general, it's important to understand a few differences from here to the UK and Europe and the US as well. As you may know, we are a developing country, we are a low and middle income country here in brazil and that reality is some sort of similar all throughout latin america before i get started and talk about how covid 19 changed things for us here it's important that i give a little bit background on how is healthcare organized in brazil we have two different systems we have the public system that's like the nhs it's really universal a universal socialized healthcare system that's available to all human beings i like to say human beings because you don't actually have to be resilient to be seen free of charge at any of our hospitals the problem however is that it is public funded and underfunded as well so we have the majority of the population like 75% of the population that is seen by this system that is really stressing. But we also have a private healthcare system that is insurance-based, where you, if you have insurance, you can be seen at different hospitals from different systems, and it sees only 25% of our population. And even with these two systems, it's really different throughout Brazil's regions. We have, like, different Brazils inside Brazil. And I'm talking about Brazil because it's where I'm, I'm from. I, I can't say for the rest of Latin America, but the une- inequalities are similar. And we have, like, the southeast of Brazil that has Rio, San Paulo, And it's really different from the northeast region nor- and from the north region as well, from the Amazon rainforest. So we have different systems but even in different parts of the country they work in different ways and it's important to understand that before we start talking about how the, this pandemic changed things for us. Before this pandemic started I worked in the emergency department at one of the public hostels here in Rio that's nearby one of the most dangerous slums we have here and it seems It's interesting to mention that we have lots of violence as well, high-velocity gunshot wounds and this kind of stuff. It's interesting because back in 2007, that hospital where I actually am was like a place for people from the US to come and see how we dealt with high-velocity gunshot wounds uh, with very few resources before they were deployed to Afghanistan. Uh, but thankfully our economy improved and these things were starting to slow down from the last few years but they're now becoming like a big problem again so I work at that place and I also do my registrar during the week in the private healthcare system that is it's really uh, we have lots of resources and it's good to, to be around these two systems because it helps you manage yourself in different kinds of situations and do the best w- you can with what you have and learn to appreciate the resources when you have them and, and try to use them more rationally. Ret- ret- so when this pandemic started, I mean, I have been following it since like December 31st, I was actually on call in the morning. And I was looking through Twitter and I saw something that caught my attention. So like was the WHO official Twitter account was saying that they were looking into a pneumonia of unknown origin in the city of Wuhan, China. And I, I thought that was weird. But I, was, I started to follow that and things started to get out of control really soon. And understanding China... It's not a free country, and if those kind of informations were being sent to the WHO, I mean, things were really strange back then. And since I was following it from the beginning, I started to try to push my hospitals to do some sort of preparedness about it, and it's important because... We do not have this kind of culture here in brazil about being ready because especially in the public sector we are always so stressed thing that i mean you can't even do a regular simulations in training because the the need for help and support is really really heavy so i mean we are following and that was one of our strengths i can say to you because we saw what happened in Italy, we saw what happened in the, in France and in the UK, and it gave us very few time to prepare, because I believe in, when it all began, we all felt, I mean, most of the people with, like, the decision-making power, they were like, nah, it's just a flu, nah, it's not going to get here, but our governor from Rio he he saw it coming and and one of the things that we had time to prepare was like one uh, in the early March he canceled all the 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 surgeries and, and started to empty the hospitals and that was that was really 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 important from how we did manage the pandemic so far because it's not over and when I talk about right now Because we're at least in Rio, because that's where I'm from and understanding Brazil as a continental country, you have to understand that we are facing different parts of the pandemic as we speak in different phases as well, because it was obviously that in Rio and Sao Paulo, the two cities that get most of the international flights, it would be the first place where it would actually begin to increase. But what we saw was that Manaus, like it's in the north region, the Amazon rainforest, was the first city where the healthcare system was completely destroyed and overwhelmed because they they didn't didn't do the enough preparation that like they should, and because their system is really really fragile, their public and private healthcare system are not as strong as as São Paulo's. So it was the first state to actually fall. And it's interesting and sad because it has the most of our indigenous population that are naturally not as immune to these kind of diseases as we because Brazil has a miscegenated population and, and these, in, these indigenous people that live in the, the rainforest. I have been there several times doing doing some volunteer work there they actually don't even have light and 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 basic like uh, sanitation so you could only imagine how it would be to manage such kind of of severe ards in, in in someone in the place like you can only go with a boat and it takes like 14 hours to get to a major city where you can go to a truck and then to go to a hospital that might or not have a doctor there. So it's it's different because it's different realities and different systems. So Manaus was and, and the Amazon state was the first one to fall. Soon followed by by Fortaleza and Sierra that's in one of the states in Northeast and, and Rio and Sao Paulo were the ones really really under pressure. But we managed to set up different strategies and, and, and started assembling makeshift hospitals and and here is where I, I start talking about makeshift hospitals because at least in rio the private sector it actually donated two big uh, makeshift hospitals to this stage to see patients from the the universal healthcare system and it's it be, it's interesting because their the hospital they created were completely different from the regular makeshift hospital that we are used to see we have two hospitals with 100 icu bed capacity and ward bed capacity with ct scans and dialysis and all this kind of stuff and right now i'm working in one of them and i can tell you that we have been having some really good results even though it's a campaign hospitals we have like this week that we are seeing less and less cases we have like 80 people in ICU at least in one of them and and almost 50 of them are in mechanical ventilation so we are seeing lots and lots and lots of patients and severe patients and we are being able to to treat them well with a mortality that it's similar to the, the, the published papers that we are, we are looking into the literature. So uh, it's been a really, really crazy experience so far. Or we are actually afraid of a second wave because as we are a low and middle income country, we do not know and we cannot afford ourselves to be in lockdown for lots of time because people need to work and they actually need to eat. And we probably are gonna see lots of unemployment as the U.S. is, is seeing, and we are uh, already seeing that. And unemployment here in Brazil, and especially Rio always comes together with violence and and malnourished children and, and people being hungry and lots and lots of social inequalities as well. So, we are actually have been like the the lockdown was left like two weeks ago and probably this week we're gonna actually see if we are gonna have a second wave or not i believe we're gonna have one and it might not be as big as the first wave but that might happen and you have to be be well aware of that But when we talk about the management of those patients, it's what we saw and what we really like to, to, what I I personally really like to share with people is that in treating severe COVID patients, what I wish I knew and I didn't was that you have to do the basics right. If you can do basic intensive care really good, you might save some lives. I mean, Not fancy stuff, not all this kind of crazy stuff, ECMO, I mean, we don't have ECMO in the public healthcare system in Rio available for the population, it's really expensive. But if you do the basic ICU stuff really well, and it's really hard to do the basic ICU stuff really well, you might save some lives. And that's something that I'd like to share with the world and with people. We also change our mentality about early intubation because right now most of our healthcare professionals already got COVID and and those who are working with COVID already have some sort, like we hope, immunity. So we are now using more non-invasive ventilation strategy for selected patients. And it's interesting to mention that uh, people really talk about the lack of ventilators and the lack of, of, of ICU beds and especially ventilators, right? But one of the things that is sad to tell you guys, but it was one of the things that we saw, is that when you do not have a trained staff operating those kind of ventilators, the mortality is really, really high and you, has, you have like really quickly bad turnover so you probably won't be short of ventilators because you're mostly gonna be short of people who know how to operate those kind of ventilators and in in brazil and Rio, intensive care and emergency medicine are just really new specialties and they are not as well valued as they should be and we hope that with the pandemic this might change And coming from uh, a low and middle income setting, we are used to create ways to manage situations with very few resources. And one of the things that we put some effort into was into the 3D printing of face shields and the 3D printing of video laryngoscope plates and try to use them if we felt it was necessary. And just to know that if we, ever need one we have one available uh also we had to learn how to manage patients with that ve- with shortage of, of very basic drugs i believe it happened in the entire world but we are more used to do that so for us it was just like just another day at the office we thought like fentanyl or learning to intubate with tracurium for RSI it was something that we had to learn how to do that so it's 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 been like an adventure but at the same time it's really tiring I'm working all days of the week and putting into almost... I, I, I don't want to do the hours for you guys but I'm really tired hopefully this will be over soon and it might not even be over forever we might need to learn how to cope with that but right now we're still we're still mobilized i'm working in a covid icu tomorrow and also we are mobilized at the makeshift hospital 24 7 and getting patients from the entire state i'd like to thank you guys again for having me on this podcast i hope uh, you guys like to to listen to my story And if i could leave you guys with three messages the first one would be be grateful if you have the resources if you have the team if you have the ability be grateful to be able to do the best for your patients we most of the time don't have the basics and i'm always wondering if it was a different place a different time or a different situation if that outcome would have been different but be grateful you are doing your best the best you can do the basics really well those are just things that actually save lives and say to your loved ones that you actually love them because we lost several colleagues and so that's it thank you guys and i hope i can return here with some good news. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing your experience and advice with us. We hope things improve in Brazil. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Please make sure you comment using the hashtag COVIDpod. We look forward to hearing from you. If you know others with inspiring COVID stories, do email us on eventscassoc at gmail.com events g-a-s-o-c at gmail.com stay safe and we'll get through this together